know that early career vets are experiencing some of the highest rates of burnout and stress and the lowest levels of well-being. So clearly we've got room to grow in making our mentorship practices even better. Welcome back to That Vet Life. In VetMed, we talk about practicing evidence-based medicine. But what does that mean when it comes to taking care of ourselves? In this week's episode, I am joined by Dr. Addie Reinhardt as we break down what evidence-based mentorship is and what this means in regards to caring for each other in this profession. We talk about mentorship and what the research is saying about what new grads need in light of the high rates of burnout we're seeing across the profession. Addie speaks on the research she has been a part of in this sector and the positive responses she has seen through the mentorship program developed by MentorVet, a veterinary mentorship and professional development program that offers evidence-based solutions to promote early career well-being, which you'll hear a ton more about later in the episode. I absolutely love chatting with Addie and just nerding out on this subject, so let's jump into today's episode. All right. I am so excited to welcome Dr. Addie Reinhardt to the show. So Addie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. I honestly, I feel like in the past episode, I've told people how much I love nerding out about evidence-based things. So to have someone who is focusing A, on mentorship and B, on evidence-based mentorship, my brain is just like, this is the best day ever. And I'm super excited. (laughs) But before we dive into what you are doing with MentorVet, I wanted to focus on this whole idea of evidence-based mentorship. But before we can do that, even, we have to go back to the basics and help us like define what mentorship actually means to you. So it's it's interesting because this word gets used in a lot of different ways. And honestly, there is not a widely accepted definition of mentorship. So some people think that mentorship is you know, a relationship between two people and one person is kind of imparting knowledge uh, and helping another person grow. For others, mentorship can be more peer mentorship or group mentorship. So I think the way that I define mentorship is just relationships between people that help one another grow. And so I think that's a, a really broad definition that can encompass you know, all different types of mentorship from group mentorship to paired or vertical mentorship, but really just relationships where both individuals are wanting to support one another's growth. It's like, that's what it is at its core. And it's always so important to actually define what it is. Because like you said, it's so broad. And depending on who you ask, they might give you a slightly different definition. So with that term and why it is so widely used, like, do you think it's a bit of a buzzword right now? Like, I feel like in the last two years, people have just started throwing out the word mentorship without putting any substance behind it. Yeah, I see this a lot. For example, and this happened when I was looking for my first job. I was a 2015 grad from University of Tennessee. And when I was first looking at for a job, it was, oh, we have great mentorship. You know, we have really good mentorship. And I didn't know that I needed to be asking more questions about what does that mean to you and what ways do you offer mentorship and how do you offer mentorship? Because I do think it gets used pretty heavily, not unlike well-being and wellness. I see that term also getting used pretty heavily right now as well. And so I do think that we do need to be a bit more specific about how we are 
talking about it and also how are you providing mentorship? What exactly are you doing? How are you supporting well-being? What is it that you're doing instead of just saying, yeah, we have a good mentorship. And I guess, especially for the vet students and recent grads out there, ask lots of questions, <laughs> you know, make sure there's some type of structure in place for this, you know, ambiguous mentorship word so that you don't get yourself in a situation that is not going to meet your expectations. And you guys can find a really good list of what some of those questions are on the mentorship mentor vet website, which we will have linked in the show notes. Little plug early on. Here we go. So going back to, it is a bit of a, like a buzzword in a way right now. People are using it to catch the student's eyes, to catch the new grad's eyes, to be like, hey, this is something that you're looking for. But like you said, it's something that the mentor needs to be able to define and the mentee needs to be able to define so that that relationship can actually be successful down the road. So now that we've basically defined what mentorship is, like what would it mean if you tag evidence-based in front of that? So evidence-based mentorship. Yeah. So, you know, when I'm looking at mentorship and so kind of my personal story is I did have pretty good mentorship out of the gate, very good medical mentorship, very good support. The vets that I worked for were just incredible humans. And yet I still experienced pretty severe burnout at two different points in my career at two different jobs. And so when I started considering what's missing here, right? I have good mentors. I have, you know, some of my classmates had good mentors as well and we're still burning out. Some of my classmates didn't have good mentors and we're also burning out too. But why even with some of the best mentorship are some of our early career vets having challenges and struggles? And so I actually went back to school to University of Kentucky to like really dig deep into the research of the why. And I think that's the key when we're, we're looking at developing any kind of programming, if it's based in evidence and science, is really starting with the understanding of the why. What are the challenges? What are new grads having the most struggles with? And then making interventions that can support those struggles. And so particularly, you know, if you're looking at medical mentorship, for example, looking to the literature of, you know, what areas are early career vets struggling in and being able to offer support in those areas and also understanding from the literature what works and what doesn't work for mentorship. So through my specific research, essentially we did a a needs assessment because my mentorship and when I look at evidence-based mentorship of what I can offer is definitely surrounding kind of well-being support. And so it kind of moves mentorship, not just from this aspect of medical mentorship, but how can we be good human supporters to one another as well? Because at the heart of mentorship is a relationship, right? And so through the needs assessment that I did with early career vets, kind of identified several key areas that our recent grads have challenges with, like leadership and conflict and, you know, ethical dilemmas and this fear of making mistakes. And so when we're looking at mentorship, how can we better support our veterinarians in these areas to really support them in the transition of practice? And so when I look specifically, I'm now getting to the answer to your question after this, after <laughs> needed this that. five, needed that five intro. minute, five <laughs> minute intro. So evidence-based mentorship is drawing from the literature of what we know works well with mentorship and what doesn't, being able to leverage that within your own mentorship practices 
and having ongoing evaluation of your mentorship programming to ensure that what you're doing is working. And if it's not working, to figure out how you can make it better. So that to me is what evidence-based mentorship is. And we know from the literature, traditionally, a lot of our paired mentorship programs they just don't work very well. You don't get good clicks sometimes. And so from the literature, actually peer mentorship seems to be a really good model for providing mentorship. Things like that, that unless you look into the literature and the research, you wouldn't necessarily know. But there is some research out there on mentorship specifically. And we can even look to human medicine too on some of the models that have worked for mentorship as well. And do you find that a lot of what we are now doing in vet med is extrapolated from the human medicine side? You know, I don't know that for sure. I'm not positive on the answer to that question. I know with some of my own research and program development, I do pull from some of the human side. But in general, I feel like we've been doing mentorship in a way that for a long time, and and I don't know that it's working necessarily. (laughs) So you, I mean, the traditional mentorship in its traditional sense is coming into a practice and having another vet that you're paired with and you check in regularly about how things are going and that's your point person to ask questions to. Is that enough? I don't know. I don't think so. I think we need a little bit more, right? I think that we are starting to increasingly see programming out there that is more focused on providing additional support on top of this kind of traditional model because if our early career vets, and I do a lot of research in kind of veterinary well-being, I was on the Merck Animal Health Veterinary Well-Being Study, we know that early career vets are experiencing some of the highest rates of burnout and stress and the lowest levels of well-being. So clearly, we've got room to grow in making our mentorship practices even better. And going back to that Merck Animal Health Study, which that was so cool that you got to be a part of that. And just all the data that came out of it is really eye-opening and just who is experiencing burnout and like where we go from there and like what the outcomes can be. But we had mentioned before, like actually before we recorded, that the new graduates, the type of burnout that they're experiencing isn't exactly new. It's something that has been like all the previous generations have experienced, they tend to have the higher levels compared to the older generations. But one thing that the study pointed out was that over the last three years, or at least the, I think they did in 2017, 2019, and again in 2021, that there was an increasing rate of this poor well-being in the younger generation. So there definitely is, even if it's something that has been going on for a while, it's getting worse. So the question then is, how do we look into this deeper? Like, what would be the type of studies that we would do to continue to evaluate, like, what is going on? And then also how are basically our options for dealing with it or not dealing with it? That's a really bad way of saying it. So basically, like, what's going on? And then what are the programs that we're putting in place? And what are the outcomes? Like, how would we set up a study to actually look at that? Or maybe you are already. Yes, we have had these kind of issues around poor well-being and higher rates of burnout in the early career for quite some time. I have literature dating back to the early to mid-2000s, and I'm sure it dates back even further. I just haven't dug past that. But every single study that I have, or most of them, I shouldn't say every single one, but most of the studies that I have related to well-being tend to show that our early career vets are experiencing the highest rates of burnout, the lowest rates of well-being uh, in all of the vet career. 
And then specifically with the Merck Animal Health Veterinary Wellbeing Study, that remains consistent. So again, highest rates of burnout, lowest rates of well-being. We did see, you know, it's surprising the rate of burnout overall didn't increase since two years ago, which is surprising to me. But the rates of serious psychological distress did increase for vets as a whole. So when we're looking at research, and this is kind of my, this is where I nerd out, is essentially an an evidence-based interventions. And so a lot of the research that we do is survey research, quantitative research, assessing the problem, really getting measures on, you know, what are levels of mental health, well-being, things like that. But I operate in the evidence-based interventions uh, area. So that's kind of my focus in my research. And so essentially, a lot of what I do is look at what's the problem. Okay, then I can create something, some type of intervention, and then get measures on the things that we're interested in, like you said, the outcomes. And so, for example, when I piloted this external mentorship program, MentorVet, we looked at burnout, stress, and well-being levels of vets before and after the program, as well as compared to a control group of vets who didn't go through the program and looked at what is the impact over time that this program is having on these individuals in these well-being measures. And also for me, I'm, I'm what's called a mixed methods researcher. So I get both the survey data as well as the qualitative interview data to really understand the experience of the vets uh, going through these interventions to really get to the heart of what difference is this making in your life right now? Because we can only get so much from survey data, but the research with qualitative and interviews and learning the story can get really get to some rich data that you wouldn't have known unless you asked. So, so essentially when we're looking at, yeah, how to create research agendas around this, it's really, for me at least, creating an evidence-based intervention and then measuring, you know, before and after the program, what are the impacts? Another example of how this was done in a good way was the Veterinary Leadership Academy or the Veterinary Leadership, you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So they had an article in JAVMA a few years ago about the impacts that that program had on the participants over time. And so that's when we're looking at program, that's that's the kind of things that we need to be focused on is ensuring that we're understanding what impact this program is having on the individuals involved. And, and particularly with our programming, specifically with MentorVet, we focus a lot on mental health and well-being. So it's a little bit even more important that we have those measures in place so that we know that we're helping people's mental health and not doing the opposite. If you're focusing on more medical mentorship type programs, then those types of well-being and mental health measures would become less important. But definitely for our programming, um, we do get a lot of those measures because we want to make sure that we're helping people. Now a quick word from today's show sponsor. Do you want to be part of a positive change in veterinary medicine? That's the question we're asking in our landmark veterinary employment, engagement and retention survey, which is now open. Maybe you're one of those people who are struggling, or on the other hand, you might be really enjoying your work and practice. No matter how things are going, we'd like to hear from you so we can build a clear picture of the state of the profession. We'll be writing and publishing a report based on the study findings so that everyone involved with veterinary medicine has access to a body of evidence that answers some of the key questions about what we're getting right and what we're getting wrong. If you're someone who cares about the future of veterinary medicine, then we'd now like to invite you to complete the survey. Your voice matters and it should be heard. 
It won't take long to complete and the more people who take it, the more reliable and influential the results will be. And if altruism isn't enough, then as well as being part of a positive change in veterinary medicine, you'll also be entered into our prize draw where you could win a selection of prizes each week, including a 50 buck Amazon gift voucher, up to 10 Starbucks coffee cards, and five copies of my ebook, So Your Vet, Now What? To take the survey, head to vetexinternational.com forward slash V-E-E-R. That's Victor Echo Echo Romeo. You'll be contributing to a better future for veterinary medicine when you do. Now back to the show. So I hope you enjoyed part one. Now we're going to get back to part two of that Vet Life podcast. Over to you, Mo. And I think, it, like you said, it's really important to kind of define there are different types of mentorship and one of them being the medical mentorship and then the other one being everything else. <laughs> it feels like the how do you take care of a human side of it? And you kept mentioning like the program, the program and everything that you developed in the program, which we'll get into, is everything that you found from your research studies. And I think it is like this is where I'm getting like a little bit nerdy where I'm like, it is so cool that we can measure these things because in the beginning when we were talking about mentorship and poor well-being in the veterinary profession, it was like, oh, we don't know why these things are happening. And so awesome people like you are like, well, let me find out why. <laughs> we can try and measure this and actually set up programs or interventions that are targeted for these issues. And so if you were to put it on like, um, what are the top five issues that your program focuses on? Like, what would they be? Yeah. So during the initial needs assessment that we did, so we did a focus group with early career professionals to kind of discover what are the challenges that early career vets are facing in the transition of practice? So five big themes came up. One was kind of the setbacks and, you know, adapting to general practice or, you know, transitioning from student to vet and the all the responsibility that comes with that. And then that self-sufficiency and self-doubt. So again, the fear of making mistakes, that lack of confidence, changing clientele. So going from a veterinary teaching hospital where most of your clients are generally able to pay whatever it takes to take care of their animal and can do the gold standard care to an environment where often you have to work within the means of the owner. And so that creates a lot of ethical dilemmas, again, leadership uh, and conflict, and then good versus bad mentorship. So knowing all of those kind of challenges, the curriculum that we created with a mentor vet addresses a lot of those things. And so, you know, for the first module, we talk about self-care and how to take care of yourself in this transition and how to set good boundaries and how to recognize burnout and compassion fatigue. And then the second module, we move into leadership and how to be a good leader and, you know, how the second that you walk into a vet clinic, whether you like it or not, you're a leader now, right? <laughs> yes. Even though you may not feel like it, you are a leader. And so teaching some of those leadership skills, we move into a module on conflict management where, I mean, I don't think that any vets are necessarily good at conflict. It's something that you kind of learn on the job, but we do talk a lot about how to, to navigate conflict in a collaborative kind of way, and then talk about how to cope with moral stress and some of the ethical dilemmas that you might be experiencing. And then we have a heavy focus on spectrum of care for the final module and understanding that this way of practicing medicine, while we didn't learn it in vet school, is an acceptable way to practice medicine that can really provide a lot of good outcomes for the patients and the families and can make you 
you know, feel a little bit better about the care that you're offering, even if it's not this gold standard medicine. So we do put a heavy focus on uh, spectrum of care. So essentially, you know, the two big pillars within our mentorship program at MentorVet are these aspects of one, empowerment through education. So training people of how to navigate these common challenges that they're facing, which again, are going to be very specific to each individual life stage of a vet as well as each individual job. So what a vet tech experiences is going to be a little bit different than what a new grad experiences is going to be a little bit different than the challenges and struggles that our vet students are experiencing. So really understanding those challenges so that we know how to educate and provide training to empower those individuals to help themselves. And then we also have kind of a pillar of community support as, you know, paired mentorship, peer mentorship, you know, mental health and financial coaching to really provide holistic support. Again, like you mentioned, that human side of veterinary medicine, that's probably the hardest part of our job. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, how do I be a human? Just help me be a human. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Humaning is hard. It is extremely hard. And you mentioned a little bit there, and I'm curious. So right now you're focused on mostly like new grad veterinarians. Will you guys have in your like down the road, thinking about doing one for new graduate veterinary nurses? Yeah, so that's the hope. So we would really love to start, you know, exploring different areas of providing evidence-based support to different life stages of the vet, as well as to our veterinary team. And so, you know, I, I think that especially when we look at the results of the Merck Animal Health Veterinary Wellbeing Study, we know that our vet team might be actually experiencing these issues at a higher rate than some of our veterinarians. And so looking at how we can help support our veterinary technicians is definitely, you know, a potential focus area for us going forward at MentorVet. I think that's awesome. And I know like just talking with the veterinary nurses on like, say even Instagram, they're like, hey, don't ever forget about us because yeah. the number of times that you see a post, that's like talking about the suicide rate or poor mental health within the veterinary profession. And it's always talking about veterinarians. And then you always have the vet techs and, and assistants who chime in and they're like, don't forget about us. We're actually experiencing this at a higher rate. So I think it's great that you're focusing on a program that, again, uses like an evidence-based approach to figure out what the needs are what the targeted um, interventions need to be, and then actually measuring those outcomes to see, like, are we making a difference for them? And kind of like the big thing is like, how do we teach them or not necessarily teach them, but help them understand how to be a human and how to take care of their human needs, which a lot of times we think about mentorship, like we said in the beginning, as being that medical mentorship. But in fact, what we need are professional skills. We need communication skills. We need peer-to-peer mentorship. So tell us, based on the research that you've done, like, why is it that peer-to-peer mentorship is um, more successful than, say, like an older generation to a younger generation type of mentorship? Yeah, and I will say it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? So for me personally, like, I have both. I actually have a lot of mentors, and I also have peer mentors. And so when we're thinking about peer mentorship specifically, it is really helpful to have people in your corner that know what you're going through and can empathize at a deep level with some of the challenges that you're experiencing and can help you problem solve because they're probably going through some very similar situations, right? So some of the best mentors are ones that are very closely tied to that period of time because they can understand those challenges at a deeper level. 
the further we get out from these stressful experiences, the more we forget. So I'm, you know, seven years out of vet school now. And uh, I look back at vet school and I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad. You know, that was fine. And so I've even started forgetting what some of the struggles of vet school were. Like I'm blocking it out of my mind. And so the further we get removed from these challenging experiences, I think the harder it is to really empathize. I'm not saying that across the board. Of course, there are some fantastic mentors who get it and they understand. But when you have a peer who knows exactly what you're going through because they are also going through it right now, it's a way of validating your experience at such a deeper level that I think you can't get from kind of that top-down mentorship approach. But again, I feel like we also need that vertical mentorship as well and kind of that almost apprentice mentorship model because there are some things that my peers can't teach me that my vets who have been in practice for a lot longer can help me with because they have much more experience with these kinds of things. So I think it's important to have both and have multiple mentors. You don't just have to have one. No, totally agree. That just makes me think of, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but like a plus minus and equals type of style of mentorship where at any given point in your career, you should always have mentors who are older, more experienced than you. You should be mentoring people who are less experienced, maybe younger than you. And then you should always have those who are peer mentors who are in the same boat as you, who understand what's going on and can challenge you in, in different ways. And I just think it's a, it's cool that the the research is also like, it's mirrored this. It says, hey, this is important to have as well. And so now we've talked a bit about like, what is mentorship? What is like, what is the definition of evidence-based mentorship? And I know there's a ton of articles that we could probably like go through a whole list of everything that you've been looking at and basically doing your research on. But now it's brought you to a point where I think it's a good time to chat about um, MentorVet, which is somewhat of the, the outcome of this intense interest that you have in mentorship and how to care for the next generation of veterinarians. So tell us a little bit about what MentorVet is and where that came from. Yeah. So first, the equation that you just presented, it mirrors language that I say, I call it 360 mentorship. So again, mentoring somebody like all around you, right? You're providing mentorship, you're getting mentorship, and then you have somebody going through. So I love that point. And I think it's, if we can all strive for that, we'll have a, have a better profession. So MentorVet was born out of my own personal experience of burnout in my early career, which I mentioned before, and recognizing that there was not there was not a national mentorship program. There wasn't a lot of resources and support for me at that moment in time, especially this was back in 2018. So I wanted to create something that could provide that external support outside of your practice that you may not be getting within your practice, kind of that emotional support, right? Some of the things that you are experiencing in practice, you can't talk to with your boss or your mentor because, you know, it's just uncomfortable because maybe it's a conflict that you're having with a team member. So it's so helpful to have somebody on the outside that's kind of detached. So I wanted to create some kind of national mentorship program, went back to school at University of Kentucky, got my master's degree in community leadership development, piloted a mentorship program. And then from there, got connected with Merck Animal Health. Um, they learned about my research, wanted to help support it in whatever way possible. They became a founding sponsor to MentorVet in the spring of 21. So we just hit our one-year birthday a few weeks ago. Well, happy birthday, MentorVet. So essentially the program is a combination. It's essentially 
a centralized location for trusted evidence-based resources for early career professionals. And so we provide anything from kind of your traditional paired mentorship. So we train all our mentors in emotional support and suicide prevention and mentoring tips so that they can provide, you know, the best support to our early career vets as that external support. So uh, we have paired mentorship, we have peer mentorship. So essentially the required aspect of the mentor vet program and what makes it really unique is our curriculum. So we have one module a month and some type of professional skill. And then at the end of each month, we have peer group meetings of five to 10 vets that meet together for an hour once a month and just talk about some of the module content, how it applies to their life and practice. And then also it serves as a peer support network to really provide that external peer support of people who know what you're going through. And then we also offer a lot of additional resources, again, uh, mental health coaching, financial coaching. So all of the pain points for our early career professionals, we try to provide those resources. The only thing that we don't do is medical mentorship. And so a lot of our practices actually do provide really uh, quite good medical mentorship. And so our focus is definitely more, I think we called it the human stuff uh, in this episode. So <laughs> we focus on human mentorship and human support and creating communities where where we can lift each other mm-hmm. up and provide each other support because this profession isn't always easy and, and having that safe community where you can talk about some of these things, I think is really important. And how big is your network at this point? Yeah, so we had uh, 75 vets go through the program in the fall. It's a five-month program. We have around 150 this spring, and we keep doubling every six months. So the goal for the the fall is between three and 500 recent grads, so classes of 2018 through 2022 will be eligible to participate. Again, because this is sponsored uh, by Merck Animal Health, we're able to set the rates pretty affordable, as well as, you know, a lot of scholarships are are sponsored through different ways. This is C credits, 10 C credits. So a lot of our vets are able to get their practices to pay for it as a CE expense, which is really exciting. So yes, uh, we got a a pretty big network of mentees. And then we have over 100 mentors at this point in our network that are ready and willing and so excited to support our early career professionals. And our mentors range from anywhere from we have, I think, a 2020 grad. And then we have, you know, all the way through vets who are retired and mentoring and in their retirements. And uh, we have a really good group of mentors that really want to help support our early career professionals. That is so exciting. And just to like, again, as we're talking about this, seeing the excitement come across your face, I'm like, this is someone who truly loves mentorship. Also, I, I love it on this side of the microphone. I'm just like someone who gets it. It gets really exciting for me. So as you're talking about like this team of mentors that you have, are they going through like an evidence-based mentor training before they become a mentor? Yeah. So essentially all our mentors go through five hours of training. The training covers the professional skills that our mentees are getting in their curriculum. So it kind of hits the high points of some of the things that we cover in our curriculum. We also cover how to be a good emotional supporter, how to be a good listener, how to provide effective feedback. We have a of that five-hour training, three of it is virtual, go at your own pace, and then two hours is a, a live virtual orientation where you actually practice some of these skills with some of the other mentors. And then as we know that 
this process is is not just a one and done thing. We also offer all of our mentors kind of ongoing support in different ways. So um, one way we do that is with monthly mentor check-ins. So our mentors can drop in, meet other mentors, share best practices, you know, and ask me any questions for tips on mentoring. And then usually monthly, we also have a webinar that's only opened for mentors to really start to hone in their skills even more on different topics. So for example, this month we're doing a webinar on how to help your mentee set boundaries, because that's Ooh. one of the most challenging things for our early career vets is setting boundaries. And so as a mentor, how can you, one, know how to set your own boundaries, but then two, support others in setting their boundaries and helping teach our mentees how to be more confident in their boundary setting. So again, we try to hit these points where, and and again, we get measures, you know, after the mentor training of, you know, outcome measures, it's not quite as rigorous as the mentor vet program measures are, but it's still, you know, based in evidence and the curriculum is definitely evidence-based. But again, it's all the ways that you can be a good human supporter and a good emotional supporter, because that's what we need. And it's so funny because one of my mentors the other day was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I didn't know what advice to give this mentee. And I just listened and I was like, that's exactly what you were supposed to do. There you go. You did it. (laughs) Yay. That's awesome. So the, you know, the power of listening is pretty magical. And, um, you know, I think the two kind of big values for the mentors in our community is one, first and foremost, confidentiality. So, you know, not sharing anything, you know, outside of your personal information, outside of your mentoring so that we can keep our mentees safe. And then second is listening. That's the second responsibility. And so really just creating these environments where we can listen and support one another. Oh, that is so, it's just, uh, I'm not, I lost words. Literally, I lost words. <laughs> don't have them. Don't, I don't have them. There are none nope. left. There are none, that's the end of the episode. Goodbye. Boom, right there. Bye. <laughs> no, it's just, I, I get so excited because we've been seeing so many different organizations like here at Thrive, like also is focused on mentorship and how do we help the next generation of veterinarians. And quite honestly, we need multiple of these like groups Uh, because there are so many veterinarians and we need so many different angles and experiences in order to make this successful. So I'm really excited to see where how MentorFet grows in the next couple years. And I do want people to go and check it out just to see what's going on over there. And you guys have some great articles to read as well. So it is mentorvet.com, correct? mentorvet.net dot net yes. Ooh, <laughs> sorry about don't it yeah. dot com. Whoa, whoa. No, there's nothing there there's nothing there right now um it's mentorvet.net it had a nice net. ring to it yeah it does it does and so <laughs> and all we're the network right we're a community exactly so, exactly yeah yeah so all that information will be in the show notes and you guys are also on instagram right yes at mentorvet mentorvet yeah yeah and so yeah our, our social media, we really focus on um, one little self-care reminders. And then two, we're really trying to shift the narrative around mental health and well-being in a way that will be helpful to our profession. And so a lot of what we do on our social media is just spread really good messaging about, uh, for example, how do we safely talk about suicide within the profession? Or you know, how do we reduce mental health stigmas within the veterinary profession? So kind of these big ideas, we try to provide some thought leadership around some of that. That is exciting. And I do want you guys to go and check that out. But we are at the end of today's episode. So Addie, thank you so much for coming on board and helping me just nerd out about evidence-based research about mentorship. It just gives me another reason to be excited about it. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. (laughs) All right, you guys, until next week. See ya. 
And that's a wrap on today's episode of That Vet Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before you go, I have a quick request. Now, podcasts and communities, they grow the best and they grow the biggest when the members spread the word. So if you know someone who you think needs to hear this episode, or if you found value in this episode and want to share it, go ahead and share this with your friends. And also, don't forget to head over to vedexinternational.com and enroll in the VEDEX community for free to get access to a bonus version of this show. You'll also get some free swag and many, many other amazing benefits. Also, leaving a review of the show on iTunes would be greatly appreciated because, again, it just helps get the word out. But until next time, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of That Fat Life.